Welcome to Changeable. This is episode number 37, How Guilt is Changeable, part one of my conversation with John Flaherty. You're tuned in to Changeable with Dr. Amy Johnson. Changeable podcast is all about breaking habits, ending anxiety, and the ironic way change really works. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Changeable. I'm really um, excited to share this conversation with you. This one's in two parts because John Flaherty and I went on for a bit about guilt. And I love this topic of guilt because everything I'm always trying to share um, here on the podcast and everything I do really comes down to the really simple thing of how do we feel more like ourselves? You know, how, how do we feel at home in our lives, free of anything that's in the way of that? Because it really does look that way to me and to you as well, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while and you're onto this new paradigm that feeling at home, freedom, thriving, you know, a sense of ease and peace and comfort in life really is default. But of course, as human beings, things get in the way and that's okay. It's okay. It's not about finding all those things and seeking them out and fixing them or squashing them. It's just more about seeing that we work in that way, you know, that we're, we're peaceful by nature and stuff gets in the way. And when stuff gets in the way, we want to see that it's always coming from thought. And one way that thought tends to show up and get in the way of our default peace and freedom and ease often is in the form of guilt. And that's why I love John's work, his book, Guilt Unplugged. Um, Really, really fascinating because guilt is huge. You know, there's guilt in, there's societal guilt. I mean, we, we feel it all through our own moment to moment thinking, but you know, it's like it's built into societies, into structures, into organizations. Um, John writes about this in a really clear way in his book. It seeps down through families and um, and then it starts just popping up in our own heads. And I love early on in this part one of our conversation, how he says it's so illogical. We feel guilty when we feel bad. And then sometimes we feel guilty when we feel good, you know? And it's like, yeah, it makes absolutely no sense. It's just this heaviness. One of those little things that shows up in our experience that kind of weighs on us and takes us out of out of our default sense of peace. So seeing more about it can only be helpful. And especially the way that we explore it here with just curiosity and like, oh yeah, that's not us. Where does it come from and why is it there? And and let's just keep looking. So um, really excited to share John with you. Enjoy part one of our conversation on guilt. Hi, John. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Hi, Amy. I'm delighted to join you today. So thank you very much for the invitation. Looking forward yeah. to it. Good. I'm I'm really excited to talk about this this topic of guilt because um it's just so huge. And as I was reading your book, you know, the the podcast and, and what we share here is is essentially kind of all about uh that that we are we are free by nature. And yet as humans, 
we spend a lot of our time not feeling free for, for various reasons and illusions and all kinds of stuff. And, and I guess I knew this before, but reading your book um, really was like, wow, guilt is gigantic. It is such a huge thing that is in our way, everyone's way at times of feeling free and childlike and light and happy. So I'm really, really excited to get to kind of dive into this, this topic with you. Great, Amy. Yeah, yes, I can't agree with you more there. It, it is something that really does affect every single person on the planet. So often enough, uh, when a person might be completely unaware of it, to the extent to which they're unaware of it, it's something that's been deeply ingrained in our very psyche. And it, it really doesn't have to be, not in the way that we've, we've learned to, to accept it and to put up with it. So, yeah, in our podcast today, hopefully I'll be able to open up to many of your listeners uh, ways by which we can find freedom from its very debilitating stranglehold uh, that it can actually have in our lives. Yes, yes. So, so let's start, and I think you kind of just spoke to this, but um, is guilt innate in humans? And, and if not, like, it's a huge question, but if it's not innate, like where does it come from? When does it start and where does it come from? Hey, it's a good enough place to start, Amy. Um, guilt, is, guilt really is an aspect of consciousness that resides in us all. It's, um, it's insidious, it's destructive, it's punishing, it's all-consuming. And it's also, strangely enough, totally contradictory. And You'll, you'll know what I mean by that because guilt is something that can absolutely crush you about something that you didn't feel you got right in the past. And then on the other hand, you can even feel guilt if you're enjoying life. If for one moment at the very same instance, you think that someone else might simply not be sharing your same pleasure or same enjoyment themselves. Guilt can keep in there. You know, we, we feel we feel wrong for for allowing that to be so. So it's it's a real dichotomy. It's it's, it's a strange thing. It's very very contradictory. Um, and the more I've looked at guilt, the more I, I realise that although many people would just simply say, "Well, guilt's one of our emotions," I find it really difficult to go with that. But rather that it's a a very deeply ingrained belief that has its origins, right, from the, be the beginning. That's where we, we take it on board in our infancy. We, we are not taught to question it, and it therefore becomes an underlying aspect of every other one of our emotions. Like I was just saying there, it, it can actually spoil our joy, and it can actually keep us even further entrenched in our misery. It's, it's a very, very strange what I'm calling, not an emotion, but a belief. And a belief has to be learned. And it's become my role, largely speaking, in the work I do with individuals, to help a person to release that belief, let go of what they have learned, and think again, and stop and pause again, and go to another level of consciousness where we can actually move on from that programming and that conditioning. And to do so is not to actually in any way let go of responsibility. But people say, well, if we didn't have guilt, 
you know, we couldn't have any order in life. It, it helps us to keep order. It, and people will argue sometimes there's such a thing as a justified form of guilt or a healthy kind of guilt. I really can't go with, with that at all. Guilt brings you to a standstill. Guilt is something that interrupts the very free flow of life itself. And I think it's crucially important that we actually do question it, that we hold it up to the light, that we see it for the lie that it is, and that we move on from it. But to do that, we have to go, like you say, asking there, uh, Amy, we have to go back to how does it originate? Where does it come from? How do we get to, to, to suffer from it to the extent that we do? Some people will um, you know, find that they have a, a, an amount of guilt or got so used to saying, you know, I feel really guilty or maybe blame others and say things like, stop loading the guilt on me. But then there are others who, whose lives have been brought to an absolute standstill because of something that they said, did, experienced, or worried about from the past and have brought that and flood their present and their possible future with the very same, very, very debilitating, very same stranglehold of an effect. And we, once we become more aware, it's our duty, I believe, to uproot that belief, that really erroneous belief, and then find how we can move on from it. Yeah, it's. I love. I love what you say about um, how guilt is. It's this way. It's a belief, as you said. It's. It's so much deeper than anything we feel moment to moment. It's really kind of a way of being in the world. It's a deep, deep conditioning, it sounds like you're saying. And and from that, I mean, we can only see through our conditioning and through our beliefs. And and like you said, it's so fascinating. You know, we feel guilty when we don't feel good. We feel guilty when we do feel good. <laughs> that should that should wake us up to okay, something's not quite right here, you know, but Right. I think for many of us, it does. Maybe at some point we do see, wow, the, what is this about? These little kids bouncing around, they don't seem to feel guilty. And, and this, you know, this is, it doesn't make sense that I feel guilty in these two different times and all of that. But it's like, we feel just so in it. It's just, it's just our way of seeing life that we don't know how to see out of it. So, um, so let's talk about what you're saying, kind of where, a little bit more about where guilt comes from. Um, are, are we talking about that at sort of a human psychological level or more of like a societal level or both or what? As far as I can see, it permeates every single level of our fabric, of our being, of our society. It, it's, it's, um, it is why I have called the, the book I have written, uh, Guilt Unplugged, Waking Up from the Lie We Live. Because I, I, I've come to the realization myself but it is, it's a rather sinister thing that um, people, organizations, governments, religions, education authority, any authority actually, have realized works. It works in order to control. And um, you might say it, it, it's real uh, depth of origin might come more from the religious aspect, but other aspect, other expressions of society, authoritative places of society, have certainly latched onto that and realized that it, it, can, it does keep us in a victim mentality. It keeps people bowed down. It keeps people fearful. 
And of course that works because it, it manipulates, it, it enables the authority to, to, to take the lead, to, to be the initiator. Yeah. And um, it's something really that we've got to become very alerted to. That's in its more social aspect for ourselves on a psychological basis and an emotional basis for ourselves as individuals. We just know the torment it causes. It, it brings us to a standstill. It's, it's, it's a useless burden. That is why I describe it as a, a stranglehold or might feel like a, a wetsuit that really just holds and binds us, keeps us static, prevents us from moving forward. It's quite the opposite to, I know it's your own message, uh, Amy, uh, to, the, to your listeners. It's certainly a message that I have given my life to. It's the complete opposite to having free heart, a free spirit, a free mind, and a free will. And I've said it, it often has its origins deeply embedded in some of our religions. And yet, if we take the Christ message, for example, and take it away from Christian thinking, because there is a difference, the Christ message is all about freedom. It's all about ease. You never hear anything of Christ speaking, for example, about how important it is to remain guilty or shame-filled about anything, which is really just a knock-on of guilt. You know, while it's possible to feel guilt without shame, we, we, we really can't feel shame without guilt. Guilt, if you like, it jumps into action when, when it's, it acts as a backdrop uh, to shame, generally forms a single complex, and then away it goes until it doesn't. The more consciously aware we each become, then the less this complexity of guilt, shame that follows will be triggered. Now, you ask that, where does it, its origin begin? I'm saying its backdrop, really, is in many of our religions, because religions have, have put out, certainly the, the well-known uh, story of Adam and Eve, shared not just by the Christian religion, and not even by those who are, think themselves to be religious. That's the strange thing about guilt, although it's very easy for it to work its way into uh, religion and into spirituality. The, 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 the least religious thinking person, uh, the person who thinks himself quite removed from the necessity for all of that, will also experience this thing of guilt. So I'm, I'm really always interested to know just how and why has this manipulative, controlling aspect managed to have its harness in so many of our lives. And like everything, it's so important that we look to our own origin to discover that, to our childhood. When we, each of us came into the world and took on human form, we were unique in our individuality. You might say we were an individuation of the divine, a microcosm of the macrocosm. We were never separate from the source. And we knew that, just like you were saying before, you know, the child and its playfulness and its ease and its freedom. Whatever happens to that when guilt suddenly comes in and takes hold? Because we're not born with guilt. A child doesn't have guilt. A, a child learns and takes on what makes them feel guilty, what makes them feel like they could actually get this thing called life wrong. Now, in the first few months of life as babies, we're, we're constantly experimenting. But in those early days, we... 
we really don't know who we are or even what a who is. Concepts of space, time, happiness, sadness, self and non-self-acceptance, they really just don't exist. We have no language, so we have no thought. But what we do have as infants is a rapidly evolving brain of 10 billion buzzing neurons hungry to form new connections. And as we receive the constant attention from those around us as the infant, then learning occurs. And these neurons start to form the lovely new connections known as synapses or junctions. In fact, in the first two years of our life, 1.8 million synapses a second are forged. That's a, a fast amount of, of new connectivities going on in our brain because everything's different, everything's stimulating, everything's new, everything has possibility about it. But then something drastic happens. And just a couple of years after, when we're about four years old, over 50% of those connections are severed. They're severed through a process of what's known as synaptic pruning, but it can also be the result of individual synapses being destroyed, depending on the form of programming that we're experiencing at that early formative age. So by that age, tender age of only four years old, a mass culling, a systematic slaughter, if you like, of those neural connections is made. Now, only half will ultimately remain. And what is left forms our reality. Determined from the age of just four is how we then see, feel, hear, touch, and taste the world. It also determines how we relate as a separate person with notions such as I and you, here and there, all of which have been taught and all of which have been repeated and reinforced by the people around us. Our reality is really someone else's that we've taken on board. Our reality is a reproduction of the reality that's fed to us and that's whatever that reality is. Now, if it is absolutely jammed, packed full, with what we should do, what we shouldn't do, what will happen if we do, what will happen if we don't, that there's such a, a difference of good and bad, right and wrong, heaven and hell, for that matter, the ultimate threat or punishment, then, of course, that's going to form a very, very deep belief in all of our emotions. Since we all undergo that process, it's not hard to imagine, is it really, that the devastating consequences a child at that early age begins to experience rejection, disinterest, violence, punishment, abuses of any kind, they're all going to be part of what builds up the even bigger picture of what constitutes that word guilt. No sense of worth or belonging ever then gets to be nurtured or instilled. And so the truth of who we are is suddenly replaced by the lie, the freedom that we once knew coming from our source at the time of our birth is suddenly being rapidly diminished. And we're being programmed for life 
It's as if we're then suddenly on a battlefield, a battlefield in which we have to survive. In the 25 or more years that I've worked in the field, particularly in the field of addiction, in every case, bar none, Amy, the commonality has shown in the deep pain or the mental agitation and emotional confusion experienced in those early years. And it can range from something seemingly innocuous to, you know, more persistent forms of punishment, belittling or ignoring by another. They can all bring about an immense, deep and lasting sense of guilt, of unworthiness, of undeserving. And that's what we call guilt. Um, it, it, it is a lie. It is something that we've got to question. We've got to look at. And unfortunately, so very few people are ever doing that. You'll find that there aren't many books written about guilt. I discovered that as I was writing my own. There aren't even many spiritual teachers that talk not in great depth about it. So many teachers rather just speak what's already been said about it. You know, it's just one of our emotions. It's the same as shame or it's another aspect of shame. No, it's not. It's not. Guilt's the backdrop to shame and the backdrop to guilt is a deeply ingrained belief that we are unworthy, that we can actually get life right or wrong. And that has a deep, deep and lasting form in every way we put together what we call our reality. It all goes back to a word I like to use a lot is insecurity. Because it's like, and, and you can define that in a million ways, but I don't know, for me, that word is like when we as human beings feel insecure because we think we're separate, because like you said, we think there's a heaven or a hell and we better do the right things for any of that, any of that, we get this, this feeling that looks the opposite of, again, what you see in most little kids. It's a feeling of insecurity. And then, and then it's like we're just looking for something. And I love in, in one part of the book, you say, guilt stems from the illusion of separation and needing validation from someone or something outside of us, which is kind of that whole thing of insecurity. And, I, and so hearing you kind of talk about this and all these different levels, that it's, it's psychological, it's in families, it's, it's so much bigger in society and religion, and it's just permeated everywhere. It's, it's easy to see how it's kind of innocently, I mean, yes, we, we want to wake up to it and see through this, but it's innocently passed on and passed on because it feels like, and tell me if this is how you see it, but it feels like it's all rooted in that, you know, we're not okay, that sense of separation and insecurity. And then people run around and do whatever looks like they need to do to make themselves okay. Yeah. Oh, very definitely. That I, I couldn't agree with you more, Amy. It's all about insecurity. Uh, we, we, we're made to feel that, that we, we, we can't take up a, a rightful place in our life if, if we really feel or have been made to feel that we have in any way transgressed or just simply not you know, met the, the mark that's been set for us. And, you know, the, I, I've mentioned religions. They're, they're the very obvious ones through which it comes through. A lot of moralizing and all based on the heaven and hell root, the, the, the pain and punishment or the reward. But we see, it in, we see it in all of the other forms of authority because 
humanity has borrowed that method of manipulation or control, if you wish, uh, because it does work, because it does actually really bring about insecurity and, and immense fear in, in each of us that we, you know, we might not be actually getting things right. And it's certainly there in our education systems, you know, that the, the, the belief that we're given as a child that truth, first of all, comes from authority, uh, that intelligence, that it's the ability to remember and simply repeat, that accurate memory and repetition will be rewarded, and that non-compliance will get to be punished. And so that's how we conform. We learn quickly to conform intellectually and socially to that which has been set before us. But there are da very damaging effects to that. If we lose all sight of our freedom. We lose sight of the truth that we cannot ever be disconnected from the source of life, which many people call God, the source of life that is forever sourcing us, and that sources everything. That's a truth. As you are sitting in your place in the United States, as I am here in, in the UK, we know, and all of your listeners to the podcast will know, that no matter how much they are rooted in guilt, their eyelids are still flickering, their pulse is still pulsating, their heart is still beating, they're being life. That's the beautiful thing about it. And life, unlike the world, doesn't judge. Life does not have an agenda. Life is just all about provision, provision, provision. So no matter what a person has done, no matter how much we think we got things wrong, no matter how deeply shameful we are about a thing said, a thing done, a thing not done, whether it's about our relationships, whether it was a wrong word with one of our offspring, whether it led to something disastrous that we felt we could never, ever recapture, whether it was with the person who has maybe committed maybe heinous crimes and is in prison for a very long time because of them, oddly enough, life is the life in that person. They are there, and they're maybe in their prison, perhaps facing their punishment. But life is all of the time just inviting them to see anew, to see anew, to see anew what? To see a new realization about their very self. The, the realization that was there at the beginning but wasn't continued to be taught, wasn't continued to be expressed enough by our society, by our parents, by our religious leaders, by our spiritual teachers, by our governing bodies, by our prime minister or president, by, you know, it's just not there. It's not taken as our lead. And so we have to go and do some inner engineering, which maybe many of your podcast listeners are prepared to do, and to root out and to question that lie so that we can actually move on fully and properly from it and then begin to live life as it is with every single day, no matter what we may have felt we got so wrong, is giving us a new opportunity, a new opportunity, a new opportunity. We've got to interrupt the fact that guilt will otherwise bring a woeful past and fill our present 
with its misery. Thank you for listening to Changeable. If you're enjoying this podcast, please let me know. You can subscribe to the podcast so that you get new episodes each week as soon as they're ready. And please consider leaving a review so that others who need change can find their way here. If you want more on how change really happens, head over to dramyjohnson.com and grab the free PDF, Three Simple Ways to Break Free from Habits, Anxiety, and Addiction, even when you've already tried everything else. <laughs>